worthy of praise. Amen. Let's stand and we'll continue with our song service. Psalms chapter four, uh, number, or I don't know what I'm saying. Psalms chapter four, verse number five says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, thou up, thou up the light of the countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Peterson, would you open us in the word? with our song service by singing hymn number 379, bringing...
Calvary's blood. Let's stand as we sing hymn number 439. Count your blessings, name them one by one.
needing strength for my journey. I knelt at the cross where Jesus once died for me. And I asked, is this the place where hope abides? Is there hope here for me? And this I heard him say Beyond the cross is a tomb that is empty Sing hymn number 441, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
bright at Shawnee Mission and be falling apart at other places but got young people learning to sing like that one reason we've invested on uh, Wednesday nights Apache Pirate one of the reasons we want our and we invest Wednesday night to be kids night here at the church we want them to sing we want them up in front of people we want them to get over all that stage fright that probably hinders most of you right yeah who was it uh, recently we were with someone 
And uh, they were singing, and they were just shaking like this, and I'm like, I can identify with that. That would be me. <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, I appreciate so much uh, these young people, their willingness to be used of the Lord, and uh, the investment that their parents make. Uh, you know, you invest in a lot of things for your kids, but you ought to invest in things that are going to have eternal value. And uh, music's one of those areas. All right. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house today and to have each one of you with us. Um, I'm going to preach a, a different style music, um, different style music, uh, different, no, we're not changing style music. Uh, it'll be like this till I die, okay, or till I leave. But um, different style message, uh, I've kind of given you several of those uh, last couple of months, and so today will be just kind of fall into that. First um, Samuel chapter seven. First Samuel chapter seven. First Samuel chapter seven. You found that, and you can stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We'll just look at the one verse here, verse number twelve. Then Samuel took a stone. And set it between Mespath and Shen, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity to live in America. We thank you for the church that you've given us, the uh, talent that uh, is here in the church, Lord. We don't take that for granted. We realize that. There's churches today that uh, they don't even have someone to play an instrument. They're just having to sing uh, a cappella, and Lord, uh, probably don't have any specials. And Lord, we at Shawnee Mission, we are truly, truly blessed with the talent that you've given us and to see our young people coming along and being able to uh, show their talents, use their talents for you in the morning services. What a blessing uh, that is. We pray your blessings upon these young people as they seek to continue to develop these talents that they would do so for your honor and your glory and uh, Lord that you would just bless them in a great way. We pray that you'd be with us today through the preaching of your word. Lord help me to convey those thoughts that you've placed upon my heart and Lord uh, prepare our hearts to receive from you that that you would have for us. Thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you've given us. We love you and we ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So, <clears throat> most of you know that I love Colorado. I love it. I love it. I tried, when I first surrendered ministry, I tried for six months to go to Colorado. And every resume I sent, they said, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, no, we're not interested. Kind of like that, Okay. And so then I thought, well, God doesn't want me in Colorado, and I want to be where God wants me, right? And so uh, he brought me here, and that's how I ended up here. This little gym, I got, uh, I'm thinking it was about 82, 1982. This became a part of my house. Now, I've got a friend in here, every time I go someplace different, he goes, bring me a rock. And I'm like, that's okay until I'm overseas, and you know, I, I don't bring big rocks to him. This one fit in back of, uh, we had a 74 Camaro at the time, and uh, 
I liked it. It was unique with this little ledge, kind of reminded me of a little chair. And I thought, I got to have that rock. And I would tell you where I got it, but uh, it, it is a crime I found out afterwards to take this rock. <laughs> I didn't take it knowingly, but I figured I already have it, so why get rid of it, right? So we've moved this, every time we've moved, we've taken it with us. This is our Colorado rock. It just kind of reminds me of the Rockies. And um, when, if you're ever around the house and I'm working on a car, you'll usually find this rock like this. And I've got the rear tire of a car jammed up against it so it won't roll while I'm crawling underneath it working on it. So it's kind of a twofold thing, okay? Thank you, rock. All right. And if you show up in my house and steal my rock, I'll hunt you down, okay? So, I uh, was reading this portion of Scripture. Actually, um, Brother Chuck and I went to a fellowship meeting on Tuesday, and this Scripture was referenced there. And I, it just really grabbed me. I was looking for what I wanted to preach for today. I wanted it to be a message on thankfulness, Okay. And so I've actually entitled this Our Ebenezer, okay? Now, this most of us are familiar with the name Ebenezer because of the character Ebenezer Scrooge in Charles Dickens' novel, A Christmas Carol. Because of that story, the name Ebenezer has taken on the connotation of miserliness and a lack of charity. Although, to be fair, Ebenezer Scrooge did become a changed man at the end of the story. Uh, my wife and I go up to uh, what we call the farm. We go up to Meltonville, Kansas. And one of the ways we do that is we run through Manhattan and uh, jump up on 24, headed over to Clay. And if you follow it the way we do, we go through Riley and you can do a split there. You can take 24 on north or you can go on uh, west a little bit further and jog back through the countryside, which is the way I found is a little bit faster, and so I do that a lot. But if you go up north out of Riley, anybody know where I'm at? Thank you. If you go north out of Riley and you kind of hang that road as you're headed to Clay Center, you come to a little spot in the road called Ebenezer. And Ebenezer has Ebenezer Methodist, United Methodist Church. And I don't know how many times I've driven by that and kind of snickered. They named their church Ebenezer. Miserly. I'm just being honest. Because I, too, thought Ebenezer Scrooge. But I want to change your thinking today. Okay? Ebenezer. Well, let me go on with my stuff here. The name Ebenezer actually comes from the Bible. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, where we read today, during the end of the time of the judges, Israel experiences revival under the leadership of Samuel. The nation repents of their sins, destroys their idols, and begins to seek the Lord. Samuel gathered the people at Mespath, where they confessed their sin, and Samuel offered a sacrifice on their behalf, verses 5 through 9. It was during this time of repentance and renewal that the enemy attacked. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle, verse number 10. 
the Israelites went out to do battle against the invaders, and God sent them supernatural help. I love it when God does this. That, and this is a quote, verse 10. That day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic, what's well, not really a quote, that they uh, routed before the Israelites. They were routed before the Israelites. That means that they got scared to death and they ran. Israel's victory over the Philistines was decisive. Several cities the Philistines had captured were restored to Israel, and it was a long time before the Philistines tried to invade Israel again. 1 Samuel 7, 13, 14. To commemorate the divine victory, Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpeth and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer means stone of help. From then on, every time an Israelite saw the stone erected by Samuel, he would have a tangible reminder of the Lord's power and protection. The stone of help marked the spot where the enemy had been routed and God's promise to bless his repentant people had been honored. The Lord had helped them all the way to Ebenezer. God is the only true one who can help us. We need to be reminded that everything in the Christian life comes from the knowledge of God. It comes through his hands with a plan for us to be more like him. Therefore, an Ebenezer ought to be a place of thanksgiving. True thanksgiving is giving thanks for all that comes into our life. And so when we think about this term Ebenezer, we think about that uh, he, the scripture tells us he took a stone. And I did a study on stone. I was kind of let down, Okay. Because you go out there and you look under, you type it into Google and you get all different types of things. Uh, and I thought, a stone, he probably had a big stone, like a boulder. But a boulder's not a stone, a boulder is a rock. Okay? Stones are like you find in a riverbed. Now, I don't know how many times I've walked into a house that had a stone fireplace. You know what I'm talking about? I love a stone fireplace. If I ever build a house, I'd like for it to have uh, rough uh, log walls and a stone fireplace, not a brick fireplace, a stone fireplace. And so uh, they took a stone. So more than likely, this stone was small, but it was built as an altar of remembrance. So undoubtedly, there were other small stones around it, and he erected it in such a way that it stood out, it looked out of place, it didn't look like it ought to be there, so that when people would walk by in the upcoming generations, they may have their children with them, and they would go, Daddy, what is that about? Why is that stone there? Well, that's an Ebenezer, son. That Ebenezer is there to remind us of the hand of God and how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and what he did for us on a certain day when the Philistines would have invaded us and surely one God fought for his people. Aren't you glad that God still fights for his people? I am so thankful that God loves me, he cares for me, he watches out for me, and he fights for me. Now, I'll be honest with you, the fight doesn't always go the way I want. That's because I'm a selfish human being. Okay, so the fight may not go the way you want, but understand this, God has a plan. It has to go through his hand. I think of Satan going in Job before God, and he's, and he's talking to God, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? 
well, yeah, but why wouldn't he serve you? And he goes, you can touch him up to a certain point. And he comes in and he flicks Job, he kills all his kids, takes all his wealth, and that's where most Christians would have given up. All their wealth was gone, their kids were gone, they would have quit. And he comes back and he goes, yeah, but you didn't let me touch him. He said, okay, you can touch him. So this teaches me a principle I believe is quite, quite true, and that is that everything that comes into my life must come through the hand of God. He has a plan, amen? Romans 8.28 used to be my life first. And I only changed it because I like Romans 5, 8 better. I mean, you know, it's just, but God commands his love. It just be, it, that has become my life first, but my life first used to be, and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. If we truly love God and we want God's best in our life and we surrender ourselves to him, then those things that come into our life are for our benefit, for our good. God's not going to allow anything to come into our life that would stop us from serving him. There will be things that come into our life and we scratch our head and we go, why are we going through this? But it's for our good and for our growth. For our good and for our growth. Why is it that people come down with uh, disease? And why is it that people lose loved ones? And why is it that people bury children? Why do these things happen? Do you think they happen because God is mean and cruel and sets up in heaven like you would take a June bug and pull it apart one piece at a time? Do you think God sets in heaven and says, let me just see how much this person can take as he begins to peel back the layers of our life? That is not my God. My God loves us and cares for us. And sometimes hard things have to come into our life that we might be drawn closer to him. God, I don't understand what's going on. God, I wish you'd done it a different way, but God, all I can do is lean on you. All I can do is learn to love you and to ask you to intercede on my behalf. All I can do is turn to you with this hurt. But the sad thing is there's a lot of Christians, when that happens, they run the other way. They say, oh, wait a minute. I thought God loved me. I thought God cared about me. If he loved me and he cared about me, he never would have let those things happen to me. And so if that's the way God's going to be, I'm just going to walk away from him. Who got the victory? Satan. It wasn't God. God doesn't want you to run away from him. He wants you to draw near to him, to draw close to him. And so we're going to consider just a few points today as we think about Thanksgiving, we think about this week ahead of us, a few things that we ought to stop and truly be thankful for. The first one is... <laughs> Probably if we asked everybody here, at least 80% would have said salvation. Man, I'm thankful to be saved. I'm thankful to be saved. I didn't deserve it. Anybody here deserve it? Nope. Paul said, I am chief of sinners. If Paul says he's chief of sinners, I'm right there with him. Because I'll guarantee you he was a better man than I am. I didn't deserve this. It was a gift from God. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Not that we're going to start the saving salvation process and then you have to do something to add to it. Uh, 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 uh. It's all of him. It's all of him. We go on to uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. Might be saved. Might begin a work towards salvation? Nope. It says, 
call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Hallelujah. Shall be saved. I'm glad that I called upon the name of the Lord. I'm glad I can remember that I called upon the name of the Lord. That's good too, right? I'm glad I can look back and say, on, on this time I called upon the name of the Lord. I can tell you where I was, who it was. I can tell you I got on my knees and I cried out to God and said, I'm tired of living this life the way I've been living it. God, I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to save me from my sins. Wow, what a day. What a day. Hey, it ought to still be what a day to you too. If not, you ought to just stop and say, God, remind me of my salvation. Remind me what a glorious thing I got when, when you saved me. Because God, you didn't get anything when you got me. But I got everything when I got you. So salvation doesn't rely upon good looks. Most of us wouldn't qualify. Standing in the community probably wouldn't satisfy. Wealth, are you kidding? We're preaching in a Baptist church. It's the work of our Savior and His work alone. Hallelujah, it's His work. Hallelujah, it's something that He has done. Jesus loves you. Man, I'm so glad Jesus loves me. I'm so glad that it may seem like the whole world's against me, that no one cares, but Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me so much that he died for me. Jesus loves you so much he died for you. He died for the whole world. Jesus will take us home with him. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. What a day it's going to be when we can go home. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47 We were praising God and having favor with all people. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Acts 4.12 tells us, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Salvation is the gift of God that's to undeserving men and women, and all we have to do is ask Him, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The second thing I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving season is my Bible. I'm thankful for my Bible. I've got a slug of these things. I do. And I'm thankful for every one of them. I'm thankful that God loved me so much that he put how much he loved me in print. You know, they always say, if you, if you don't want people... To quote you, don't put it in print. Now they say, you don't want people to remember, don't put it on the internet. That's truth there. The scrubbers will find it. You say, well, I was a dumb kid. Tough, it's there. Oh, I can hire someone to erase it only so far. It's still there. Uh, but, you know, even if the, on this earth they could erase it, it's still recorded in heaven above, Right? God's given us his word, the Bible. This ought to be a very dear book to us. It ought to be very dear to our heart. We ought to love it. We ought to care for it. We ought to read it. Don't tell me how much you love God if you haven't been in his word. Because you you don't love him near as much as you think you love him. If you love him, you're going to want to hear from him. I love this little woman right here. Yesterday she was gone all day long. And I finally got her back at like 6 o'clock in the evening. I said, man, I missed you. I missed you. I missed being with you. So I took her on a real expensive date. Anywhere you go on a date anymore is real expensive. And took her over to uh, uh, Chick-fil-A. 
and got some alone time. She got to stare across the table into my green eyes, and I got to hold her hand, and we just had some time together. And I love that. That's why I married her. How much more should I love my Savior who gave himself upon the cross of Calvary? And shouldn't I spend time with him every day? And I have that right here in this word. I can spend time with him. I can, I can read, I can study, I can learn more about him. The Bible says in Psalms 119, by the way, if you want great Bible verses, Psalms 119 is it. Psalms 119, verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to the word. Psalms 119, verse number 11, verse I memorized early on in my Christianity. Thy word hath I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Man, how many times I've got ready to do something that was contrary to what God would have me to do, and a verse would pop into my head. How many times I've been in a situation where, where you know, it, it wasn't projected to be that way, but it ended up being that way, and the Word of God came into my, my thinking at the right time. The Word of God, we need to hide it in our hearts. It needs to be something that is hidden within us, that we study, that we meditate thereon, take it in. I'm thankful for my Bible. It's a roadmap for this life which I live. How do you make it through life? I'm telling you, making it through life is hard and difficult. And none of us go the same way. None of us will go the same way. You say, well, preacher, I like the way you've done it. I'm going to do it your way. You can't do it my way. I can't do it your way. God deals with us all individually. All I can say is if you really want to walk with God, get in this book. If you really want to be close to him, get in this book. And the way he will lead you will be amazing. This book is my guide and wisdom giver. Now, let's just think about this just a minute. My guide and my wisdom giver. I'm glad my wisdom giver aren't four people who sat on a show called The View. Because I want to puke just thinking about someone turning the channel to that show. Okay? Just... I'm glad it's not Dr. Phil. I, he, I've watched him do some good stuff, but my faith is not in Dr. Phil. Uh, Ann Landers, I don't care. You just roll them out here. Any man or woman, flesh and blood, I, I mean, I might admire some things that they do, but my faith is not in them. My faith is in this book. This book, God's thinking, many times goes contrary to your thinking. So what do you do about that? Well, I just changed that book so it thinks like me. Well, you're one of the biggest dummies. I'm, oh, shit, shit, shit. That is, it, that is not good thinking, <laughs> okay? The best thing you can do is take God's word, and if it differs from the way you think, then you need to pray, God, change my thinking. Help me to take your word. Help me to study it. Help me to apply it. Help me to understand it. If I need to go get some help, then give me the wisdom to go get help. I want to understand. I want your book. It is wise. There is the truth for all eternity. You know the word settled forever in heaven? Right? So don't rely upon this world. Don't rely upon its thinking. Don't rely upon what man tells you. Rely upon that that is settled forever, and that is the word of God. 
Not only in the area of spiritual things is this book a big help, but it is a huge help in my life in just living life. Just living my life, picking my friends, picking the places I go, picking the things that I do. This book is a big help. I'm going to give you a few verses here. Psalms 119, 133. Order my steps in thy word. I think it's a good thing for us to say, God, would you direct my path? Would you order my steps and, uh, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me? Psalms 119, 140, thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. The word is pure, and the servant of the Lord should love this book. We ought to love it. It ought to be near and dear to us. It ought to be something that we're daily in, reading and, and studying and memorizing, meditating on the word of God. Psalms 119, 160, the word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So we know in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was God. The word being Jesus Christ, we have the written form here in the word of God, and I want you to know it's true from the beginning, and it's true to the end. Psalms 119, 161. Princes have persecuted me without cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I can only imagine here in 1 Samuel chapter 7 this great victory that God had won. I can only imagine the people of God standing around going, Did you see that? Did you see what God did? We didn't have to do anything. God did it for us. I would hope and pray there's been some times in your life that you would stand back and go, God just did something that I couldn't do. He moved a mountain I couldn't move. He supplied a need that there was no other way it was going to come but by the hand of God. Psalms 119, 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Findeth great spoil. So a few weeks ago, there was a lot of money that was won in the lottery. Hi, what is some two hundred billion? Was that was that? I mean, over? Uh, it was a lot of money. Have you ever thought about what it'd be like to like just get a? I, I'd just like to find a hundred dollars on the floor. You ever thought what it'd be like to win a million dollars? I guess a million's not worth winning, is it? A hundred billion? A hundred billion? How many zeros are attached to a hundred billion? A lot! A hundred billion dollars! Man, I I would be burning the phone. And then I'd go, why did I tell them? Right? Because then they're all like, hey, can I have... Can I have a million? Can I have a million? You know, that's chump change. Then a million. Yeah, I give a million away, a million away, a million away. So if you win 200 billion, think of the preacher, okay? But, um, but think about this verse. He said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Not a little bit of extra, but a lot of extra. A great spoil. That that I didn't work for. That that I didn't deserve. I, I don't know how many times I've been reading through the Bible and I've come across a verse and I said, 
Oh my goodness, look at that. The night I got saved. Oh my goodness, look at what God's done for me. He saved me. I'm on my way to heaven. I can never lose it. It'll never be taken away. The best gift ever. The greatest spoil. And yet many times people come to church and it's like, okay, stand up. We're going to read the Bible. Okay. All right, well, glad that's done. Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you why I'm tired. I got, yeah, oh, preacher, hurry up. We Get that over with. Yeah, right. Nobody believes that anyhow. You just, I don't know what you're carrying on about. Boy, you must have, I don't know. It just, oh, oh it's invitation time. Oh, okay. Well, we stand up. And you missed the greatest spoil that God's given to mankind right here. You want to win $200 billion and neglect Bible reading? Loser. Most of us with gray hair in here today would tell you money's not where it's at. Money doesn't buy happiness. It cannot keep you happy. You just want more. So if you're going to rely on money, you better get $200 billion, okay? Because it will not last. Your happiness can never be found in tangible things. True happiness is found in the Lord. Great spoil in this book right here. Great spoil for us. He loved us so much. He said, look, I want to give you great spoil, and I want you to be able to have it every day of your life. Every day of your life, every hour if you want, you can get into the Word of God. You can dig in there. You can find great spoil for your soul. How awesome that he loved and cared for us that much. Hey, the third thing I'm thankful for this time of year is baptism. I'm thankful that I got baptized. You say, well, that's kind of kind of off kilter there just a little bit. No, no, wait. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism, into death, and like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I'm thankful that I got baptized when I got baptized. I'm thankful I didn't put it off, okay? Because I've met people who've been Christians for 10 years, and we get talking about their salvation and baptism. They go, yeah, I never got baptized, and to be quite honest, I'm really kind of scared of it. So it's Easier done at the time that you get saved. If you push it off, you may never get baptized. You say, well, what's the big deal about baptism? Well, baptism, first of all, we want to state baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. It doesn't save you more. It doesn't like seal the deal. But it's a great picture of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And hey, I want everyone to know what Jesus Christ has done for me. He took a vile, wretched sinner, and he saved me. And I'm going to go down into that water, and, it, you know, I don't think these kind of churches exist, but, man, if I was a member of a church where you had to be baptized every week, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that because I love him. He loved me. He died for me on the cross of Calvary. I want to give testimony to those, to those around me of what he's done for me, and if I do that by being baptized, then I'll just be baptized every week. I want everyone to know, Jesus loved me, he died for me, and now I'm saved. I was dead in trespasses and sin, and now I'm alive. 
to live for Him. Catch the latter part. Live for Him. Not to live for you. To live for Him. Something to be thankful for this year is that you're saved, you have the Bible, and that you have baptism. You know that you're saved and baptized. You have the Word of God. Fourth thing today. I'm thankful for church and its fellowship, our family and our family, and my friends. A lot of F's. It's like Alice Foster typing out one of her invitations to the 4th of July thing. You know? We're going to have food, fellowship, family, friends. <clears throat> so, I'm thankful for my church. First of all, and this isn't part of my points, but I'm thankful for this building God's given us. What a blessing. It's a beautiful building. Back when we built this building, the rock it sets out front there is a rock of purpose. So this property used to be as high as the neighbor right there. When we came in, we came in, we brought a crusher, a crusher in. It's the first time it's ever done in Kansas City that they brought a crusher onto a small site. Four and a quarter acres was a small site. They brought a crusher, they set it up here, and for three months all they did was dig rock and crush it, and crush it, day after day after day after day, two guys running back and forth, crushing rock, crushing rock, crushing rock. So they had a big track loader, has a big scoop on the front. Man, they had some cool things to play with. I'd really like to play with those again. And a loader and a crusher. So they got to that rock that sits right there, and it was back over in here someplace. And what they'd do is they'd get like one big sturdy rock and then rocks like that one they would bring over with that loader and they uh, uh, and he'd flip it up in the air it's kind of amazing how they did it flip it up in the air and that thing would go four or five feet in there and come down and land on that rock and break it into a lot of pieces except for that one for like three days they tried to break that rock i'm like what about the rock yeah it's not breaking it's not breaking i said tell you what I want you to take that rock and I want you to put it over here in the corner. I have a place for it when we get all done. It became my prayer rock. You see, I kind of thought, well, I'd be able to build this church for about a million dollars. We already had $700,000 of our own money. We had invested in property. We had invested in things. And I thought, surely another million will finish this project. Well, when uh, we started over 950, I started realizing, well, we got a lot to do and a million dollars isn't going to cut it. We hit a million one, and it's not going to cut it. A million two, I started going to that rock. I'd go out that rock and I'd pray, God, don't you know, don't you know we can't afford this? Don't you know I made this deal with you? We were going to build this for a million dollars? What do you mean? It's a million two. God, oh, God, I don't know what you're going to do. Can you stop the bleeding? We had red ink blood going everywhere. Then I'd heard someone talk about that he was buying some church property and this guy had gone to sell and sold a bunch of, of livestock and he stopped buying his semi and he wrote a check for $100,000 to the church. And I said, God, where's my livestock guy? Bring a semi in here. With 
cow poo all over the place. Just bring him on up here. We, we'll get some shovels if we need to. Just let him bring that check. Nope. Nope. Day after day, week after week, I went out that rock and I prayed. I mean pray. I wasn't, you know, now thank you for my food. Amen. I mean, I'm praying. God, you can stop this. You've got to stop this. And God kept doing his own thing. I'm out there one day, probably done this a month, month and a half. And I say, God, I don't know what you're doing. If you keep this up, you've got to pay for it. And that's so dumb. Didn't I have learned that a long time ago? I'm telling you, preacher's not the smartest. I've learned a lot. Not the smartest. But God, it's all on you. I refuse to worry about it. I refuse. I just, it's on you. It's on you. So we topped out at a million five on top of the 750 we started with. So we're a multi million dollar building. We move in, it's great, man. We get visitors coming and all that kind of stuff. I had a guy in the church at that time who was a close to a millionaire. He was a CFO of a major company here in town. And uh, <clears throat> he called me one day and he goes, Preacher, I'd like to take you to lunch. I liked going to lunch with this guy. It's been $40 on a hamburger and french fries. So I knew it would be great food. I'm like, sure. I said, where do you want to go? He goes, let's go to Capitol Grill. I'll come pick you up. And so we went down the plaza, ate at Capitol Grill. Wonderful place, wonderful place. Uh, I can't afford to go eat there myself, but he was buying. It was great. And he's sitting across the table from me. This guy deals with millions of dollars every day. Sitting across the table from me, he goes, so uh, seems like you're a little stressed. I, I think I must have that look in some ways. I have people go, are you, are you tired? Are you stressed? Normally, I'm not. I was really stressed at that time. I said, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, the building. He goes, well, the building looks great. I said, no, no, I'm worried about paying the million five. He goes, well, well express that to me. What, what does that look like? And I said, well, what if we don't pay for it? And he's sitting there just as, and this guy deals with millions of dollars, sitting there, and he goes, what if you don't? I'm an independent Baptist preacher, and I've led the church, and they followed me, and, and this is where we're at. He goes, that's for God to worry about. You can't change. You can't change. Man, that was probably one of the best lunches I ever had. Not so much the food, but the advice. I really did come back and go, yeah, got this. And if not, We'll pack up and move and go someplace else. But you know what? God's never been late. Never been late. You know, when I came back in, um, whatever that was, 30-some years ago, 32 years ago, and I sat down with a group of about four guys, five guys, and they told me, they said, Preacher, <clears throat> for the first time in six months, we're in the black. We got $200 in the account. We think we can pay you $200 a week. I said, this is what God wants? Great. That night they voted to call us. We accepted. And the next day I went out looking for a job. 
And God supplied one by the end of the day. I was at work the next day. God does amazing stuff when God wants it done. So I think of the church, and I'm thankful for this building that we get to meet in. What a blessing. But I'm thankful for you. Because really, the church is you. The building, eh, you know, it's, it's great, it's nice, it's air-conditioned, it's heated. All those kind of, we got, we got TVs, we got lights, we got all those kind of things. But you are the church. I thank God for you. I thank God for my brothers and sisters. And I hope that you too, as part of the church, are thankful for the people who make it up. Because, I mean, how would that be if we weren't happy to be together as brothers and sisters in the Lord in this thing that he calls the church? He instituted it before he left earth. And he challenges us to be a part of it. And I'm thankful I can be a part. One of the greatest things that I love about the church is the fellowship that I enjoy here. In Acts 14, 27, we read, And when they were come together, they had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done for them and how he opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Acts 15, 3, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed by Pinus and Samaria, declaring the conversation of Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians 5.27, That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now remember, he's not talking about a building here. He's talking about the people here. If you're... If you're a member of Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple, he's talking about you. He wants to present you without spot, without wrinkle. Well, he's probably in a little bit of, you know, the older we get, we're going to have some wrinkles, right? We're talking about spiritual wrinkles. He wants us to be spotless. He wants us to be white. He wants us to be holy. He wants to present us before God as a, as a great gift to him. And he wants us to keep ourselves without blemish, to keep ourselves holy unto the Lord. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. The importance of fellowship with other believers and with God. Then I'm thankful for my family. My church family, you, I'm thankful for. I praise God for you. I look forward to being with you, and in many ways, you're closer than my, my blood family. Because I got blood family doesn't see the world the way you see the world. And we see the world through the lens of this book. Amen? I'm thankful for my immediate family. I'm thankful for all that God's given me. I'm so thankful. I want to raise my family for God's honor and for His glory. I want to influence my grandchildren so they might love God and want to serve Him with their lives. And then I'm thankful for my friends. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. That I put that in the Bible. Oh, wait a minute, they did. You want friends? I, you know, I worked in Christian education for about six years, and one of the, one of the things parents would come in, and they would have, we'd have parent-teacher conferences, and I don't know how many times I heard them say, 
If only Johnny had some friends. Well, you know, if Johnny would uh, like want to be a friend, Johnny could have more friends. When someone says, if only I had more friends, I'm thinking, you just haven't reached into the right pool yet. Because we as Christians ought to be friends one to another. Amen? I can think of no better place to have my friends than here. I can think of no better place to have my friends unless they be Christian friends. Now, I've got some ungodly friends. I really do. I keep them so that I can witness to them. I want to influence them. I hope if nothing else, maybe they'll come to my funeral someday. Someone will preach a message, they'll get saved. But I keep some ungodly friends. I want, them, I want to influence them for the Lord. But my real friends, the ones you count on your finger friends, they're all saved individuals. Every morning, Sunday, every Sunday morning, I get a text from my friend that sits in jail. Every Sunday morning, says, praying for you. Last time I talked to him, he said, that I talked to him on the phone, he told me, he said, I can't preach anymore like you get to preach, but I'm praying God will give you a double portion so you can preach for me when you preach. So I say that to say this. First of all, I'm thankful that he loves me enough to pray for me. But second of all, just because you have a friend and they do something wrong doesn't necessarily mean they need totally pushed out of your life. Because my friend made a bad mistake, did it in a few seconds, changed his life, changed his family, changed everything about him. He needs friends. He needs to know that there's still guys that love him and care for him, pray for him, do anything I could for him or for his family. All he'd have to do is let me know, I'll go do it for him. We need to be those kind of friends. Why? Because God loves us. He has given me a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus Christ, my Savior. He goes with me everywhere, and I ought to show forth Jesus in all that I do. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd use this invitation as you'd see fit, that you might receive the honor, glory, and praise for it all. We ask it in your blessed name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Have a moment of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, I'd encourage you to come. The altar is open. You may come. Just as I am
hands as we close. Uh, we will be observing the Lord's Supper this Tuesday. Encourage church members to be here, not have a Wednesday night service this week. Uh, next Wednesday, the 30th, need to have a deacon's trustees meeting following the evening service, so guys, you could plan that way. Missions Christmas offering, December the 4th. Uh, looking forward to uh, receiving offering to go to our missionaries uh, that we support. And um, we, we're truly blessed to be ascending church of several missionaries, so we want to be a blessing to them. Uh, Christmas program on the 11th, The Word Became Flesh. This will be at 1030. Uh, I encourage you to invite your friends to come and be with us. Ladies' Christmas party on Thursday night, the 15th, at the Met Singers address here in the uh, bulletin. Gilson Christmas, December the 18th. I encourage you to make plans to be a blessing there. And the Christmas patch program on the afternoon service of December the 18th. A few things uh, from our prayer area here. Uh, you might add the pots. They are in uh, New York. His mom, uh, more than likely, will be leaving this earth and going to heaven shortly. And uh, what, a, what a great lady. I'm telling you, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, she was already battling cancer herself. And it just seemed like every week she was sending cards to my wife of encouragement that she was praying for. She's such a precious lady, and so please pray for her. Uh, Marty Bush recovering from his knee surgery, and then uh, little Eden Marino is sick and uh, has the croup and junk. And so if you would pray for the Marinos, that'd be a blessing. Good to be together today. Gary, why don't you come up here and dismiss us in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time that we've had in your house, Lord, and to just hear your word, Lord, and just help us remember all these things that we are to be thankful for, Lord. We're thankful for uh, you giving your son to die for us and for our salvation and the word you've given us, Lord. Just help us to live in that word and to grow in you each and every day, and Lord, help us to show love to others as we go about our lives. Pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.